0: Chronicles chapter 28. First Chronicles chapter 28. And this morning, we're going to be looking at unconventional dreams. Unconventional dreams. Now, I'm not talking about dreams that you have while you're sleeping. I'm pretty sure every dream that you have while you're sleeping is just unconventional. Uh, right? You're, you're walking down the street in your dream, and you, you wave to your neighbor. and The next thing you know, you're like, Seeing a rabbit driving a lawnmower on the next thing, and then you realize you've been walking your, your pet lion the whole time, and he's, you're having a conversation with him, and then you, you're arm-wrestling King Kong, and you wake up, and you think it's all normal until you try to explain that dream to somebody. You guys ever been there before, right? Dreams seem normal until you try to tell somebody what happened in the dream, and you realize, wait a minute, that, that can't happen. So most dreams are, are unconventional, but those aren't the kinds of dreams that we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the kind of dreams that God puts on your heart. You know, the kind of dream that seems so unconventional that uh, you might be ashamed to share it with somebody. You know, the conversation might go, "You know, hey, this is what God has for me." And they're like, "You want to do what? You know, you want to, you want to quit your good-paying job? You want to sell your house? You want to move across the globe and uh, uproot your family to tell people about Jesus? Like that just doesn't seem responsible." And uh, you get these dreams and it's almost like, oh, I don't know if I can share it because this seems too big. This, this seems too unconventional. People are going to think I'm weird. Those are the kind of dreams that I'm talking about this morning. See, dreams by their nature have this unconventional quality to them. They have this aspect that seems out of reach or it seems un- unbelievable and that's why they call them dreams and not Goals right? Goals are these little bite-sized chunks that we think, all right, that's attainable and that's attainable and that's attainable and and it builds us up. But dreams are, whoa, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to accomplish that. Like God's going to have to come through in a major way if I'm going to get from step A to Z on this one because I don't know what steps B, C, and D are. Like we don't understand that. So we're talking about God-sized, God-given dreams this morning. Have you ever had one of those? Have you ever had a God-given dream, a dream that that God put on your heart and it seemed above and beyond what you could do on your own? Maybe it was to to reach your city for Jesus, or when you were a teenager to reach your school for Jesus, and and you just thought, man, I I don't know how to do that. I don't know the method, but I know that God's put that on my heart. Maybe it was a dream to reach the lost in another country. Maybe you put put on your heart a dream to be a missionary, to go on a short-term missions trip. Uh, maybe God gave you a dream just to, to raise money for a cause. And you thought, oh man, if I could just give above, maybe, maybe I could give thousands of dollars someday or, or some way uh, to be able to support missionaries. And I love seeing that every year in uh, in One Cause Youth, we take, uh, I have the students write down just kind of a pledge. What do you think you can do if, uh, for Speed the Light this year, what do you think you can do to, to raise money for our missionaries? You know, and they write down a goal and and oftentimes I'll tell them, all right, now I want you to, to put down another number. I want you to put down a dream goal. Like, what do you think you could do if God came through uh, for you this year? And it wouldn't be something, you know, a lot of times you're thinking through and you're like, well, if I work really hard, if I get enough babysitting gigs, um, you know, if I, if I do X, Y, and Z, if I save up all my money, I can give X amount. But what would stretch you? And so we have them put down that goal, and it's, it's so cool to see how. God fulfills those God-given dreams every year where students go above and beyond what they thought was even possible, right? Have you ever had a dream like that this morning? You know, again, it's Speed of the Light Sunday. We're talking about missions this morning. I love how missions really just helps us to dream as a church. Uh, Right now, we support a missionary, again, in a restricted country who's going over there, and they are opening up a CrossFit gym and telling people about Jesus, that's unconventional, right? That's not your normal missionary, the way you reach people. But I love that. Like who would have thought like, okay, I'm going to get into really good shape, right? And then I'm going to go tell people about Jesus. Uh, But that's the way God is using them to get into that country to be able to share the love of Jesus. So missions helps us dream unconventionally. Another missionary I was talking with this year, uh, he is over, uh, in an Asian country. I can't even remember which one it was, but he's, he's in a country over in Asia. And, uh, the way that he's able to be a missionary in that country is he has an outdoor, like, adventure store that he runs out there. And he gets to train people how to hunt with eagles. And I thought, when I first heard that, I thought he was pulling my leg. I thought he was lying to me. I was like, is that really a thing? Like, I, I think I saw that in Mulan or something like that. But like, I, I, I never realized that was a thing. So I looked it up on YouTube and I realized, wow, that's, that's actually, people are hunting with eagles over there. And so he gets to do that. Six months out of the year, it's open. The other six months, he just solely gets to go around and tell people about Jesus. Uh, so again, I love how missions causes us to dream and how causes us to dream unconventionally with the projects we're working on right now. Being able to support uh, a refugee school, providing projectors and smart boards or providing just digging fresh water wells, right? That's not the normal way to share the gospel, but it is a way to share the gospel and it's a creative way to reach people where they're at and to reach people with the needs that they have so that they can open up and listen to the gospel. Missions causes us to dream. Missions causes us to dream. So maybe, maybe God's put a dream on your heart this morning and it's pounding inside of you. Or, or maybe he put a dream on your heart a long time ago, even as a child or a teenager, and you haven't even thought about it for a long time. You know, you're never too young to dream God-sized dreams. You're never too young to dream God-sized dreams. You can put a God can put a dream in your heart at any age. I, I love being a dad. Uh, parents out there, maybe you can understand this, but but kids really challenge your theology like on a daily basis because they ask the question, "Why?" Like, oftentimes, I'll get that question, I'm, I'm sharing about Jesus with, with our kids, and they're like, well, why does that make sense? Why, did, why does that work? And I really have to think about it. Well, that's what I learned in church, you know? And I, I got to understand, what is it that I truly believe? So the other day, I was explaining to our, our six-year-old about uh, hell. He had questions like, what is hell? Why, why do people go to hell? And, and so I'm trying to explain to him, you know, hell is a place uh, where God's presence isn't, and I use the wrong word. I use the word presence, because then he's like, why, why doesn't God give gifts to people in hell? No, not that kind of presence, Luke. All right, we're talking about God's. Presence. I'm trying to explain it. You know, like I, you're in my presence right now. I'm in your presence. So God's presence doesn't dwell in that place. It's a dark place. It's a sad place, and it's for eternity. It's forever. And he's starting to grasp this concept of, of hell, and I'm trying to use uh, my six-year-old language to explain to him what this is and why people, you know, people who don't know Jesus go there. And uh, so I'm telling him this, and, and all of a sudden you can just see something clicked in, it, in his mind and in his heart, and he looks at me, and he's like, Dad, um, when I get older, let's go to every single town and tell everybody about Jesus so nobody has to go to hell. And I just thought, man, that's, that's a six-year-old with a God-sized dream right there. Um, you're never too young. You're never too young to get a God-sized dream. And I believe that God wants to give each of you this morning a dream that's beyond your capabilities, that's beyond your qualification, and that's beyond your capacity. Now, in First Chronicles chapter 28, David, King David, had a God-sized dream. And I want to start with verse 1 this morning, if you're there with me, and you can just kind of stay there. We're going to be looking through a lot of this chapter this morning. So First Chronicles chapter 8, starting with verse 1, says this, "...David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the officials of the tribes, the officers of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the stewards of all property and livestock of the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the mighty men and all seasoned warriors." So you can imagine this was a large gathering with lots of people. And then it says, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And I made preparations for building. So we'll pause there for a moment. So David has this dream, and he decides to get together everybody who's anybody in Israel and and pull them all together. So he's got elected officials. He's got appointed officials. He's got all of his, the servants in his household. He's got the priests. He's got the Levites there. He's got uh, the commanders of his army. Uh, he's got anybody who did anything really awesome in battle. and like, uh, So he's got everybody there who's anybody. He's got the who's who of Israel. He calls them all together and he tells them, hey everybody, God gave me this dream. God gave me this dream to build a house for him, to, to build a temple for him so that his presence could dwell there. See, throughout history or previously, originally after the exodus from Egypt, God gave Moses the plans to, to build the, the Ark of the Covenant, which that's where God's presence rested and the mercy seat on top. And, and so that's where God's presence dwelled on earth. And then he gave him instructions as well to build this tent this tabernacle, that this mobile tent that could go from place to place as the Israelites went from place to place and followed God's presence. and uh, But now God had fulfilled his promise. They had taken over the, the promised land. They were now Israel, and uh, they were in the land God had promised. So David's like, all right, now's the time. We're going to ditch the mobile tent, and we're going to set up a house now. Like, we are residents of this land. We are living in God's promise, and I want to give God... Uh, a." magnificent temple, right? So he had these, these dreams. And this temple was a big dream because of just how massive it was for the time period it was in. Uh, this thing was going to be a huge building. It was going to have 45 foot tall ceilings. Pretty much everything was going to be covered in gold or other precious metals. Uh, it was going to require master craftsmen uh, to carve it, to sculpt every last detail. I mean, this was a project that was going to take seven years and thousands and thousands of people to build. This was no, like, weekend project. This was a massive undertaking. So David began to share his dream with his leaders. In verse 3, moving on here, it says this, but God said to me, you may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. So David announced to everybody, I have a dream but it's not for me. But I don't get to do it. I don't get to live it out. See, usually when you see a but God in scripture, usually something really good happens, right? If you've ever noticed that, usually it starts out with, there's something impossible, right? There's something impossible. There's too much sin in our lives where we're powerless to do it. Or, or maybe there's a man who is born blind and it's just like, there's no hope. And then you see those words, but God, And now all of a sudden, on the other side of the but God, you see the impossible becomes possible. You see the blind man be healed. You see sins forgiven, right? So usually when we see a but God in Scripture, it's like, get ready. Things are going to get good. Uh, But in this case, everything's going fine before. David's got this dream. Things are going awesome. He's going to build a temple for God. I mean, God's going to get all the glory. It's going to be great. And then we see the but God, and then it's a slow down. Wait. Stop. This, this dream isn't for you. This dream's for the next generation. Have you guys ever gotten that, that answer from God before? You're praying, and, and you think, God, this is great. God, I just want your will to be done. This is going to be awesome. This is going to bless you. And then all of a sudden, he tells you, not yet. Wait. Slow down. We don't like that answer, right? We, we like to get things done. We, we like to move forward. But, but God told David... Wait, this dream is not for you. You've got too much blood on your hands. This, this dream is for the next generation. It's for the next generation. And uh, we serve a God who, who holds our future. We serve a God who, who knows the exact, right thing, the exact right thing to do. So we may have plans in our hearts that are just like, God, this is good. God, this is going to honor you. God, this is going to bring more people into your kingdom. Like, why wouldn't you say... Yes to this, but that's not necessarily always the right answer. See, God holds our future; He knows what's coming next, so He always has the right answer, even if that answer is wait, slow down, and right now is not the time. Right? So we need to listen when God tells us to wait, because uh, there's something greater that He has in store for us. And if you keep reading uh, through First Chronicles here, you see that not only does God tell David this dream's not for him, but He tells him it's for the next generation; it's for your son Solomon. Solomon, the next king of Israel, he's going to be the one to build the temple for me. So you have to pass this off to your son. Now, historians and scholars, they put Solomon, during the time of this meeting, when, when David's got everybody here and he, he's passing this dream down, it puts Solomon between the ages of 12 and 20, right? He's a teenager. We got Solomon the teenager up there. And uh, how would you feel if you had this big dream, if you had these big plans not only a big dream, but an expensive dream, right? That requires lots of resources that you've already been saving up for. So how would you feel if you had this huge dream that you've been saving up for, you've been putting all your resources into accomplishing this dream, and God told you it's not for you, it's for your teenager, right? You've got to pass that down to your kid. Uh, That wouldn't feel good. That would be difficult because that's unconventional, Right? The the wiser person, the older person should be the one to carry this out. Like David, he knew what he was doing. He was wise. He had seen a a lot of victories in battle. He, He knew how to do things. He knew how to rule a kingdom. Shouldn't he be the one to handle these things for God? But yet he had to pass that dream down. Think about when you were 16 years old or when you had just gotten your driver's license. You got your first car, right? Chances are your first car wasn't uh, a fresh off the line brand new sports car, right? Because your parents were smart. Instead, they got you a car that was older than you were at that time probably, right? One of those cars that you're driving along, you run into a pole, you back into the garage, and you didn't realize that that happened because it was already so beat up and so scratched up uh, that it didn't, make a sense. it didn't make a difference because, you know, we're still in training when we're a teenager. We're still learning. We're, we're still making mistakes at that point. So to pass this kingdom off, to pass this dream off to a teenager, this magnificent temple seemed crazy. And Think about this. We're we're electing a president this week, in case you guys didn't notice. Um, We're electing a president this week, but imagine if our choices were two teenagers that we were voting between, right? And we had to pass it off to a, between a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old. Like, I'd be a little nervous if we had to pass it off to a teenager. And I love teenagers. You guys are the best. But you're maybe not ready to lead a country yet, right? And, uh, but, but David, he had, to, he had to pass this off to the next generation. I mean, David had made history many times already. He had killed the lion. He had killed the bear. He had defeated Goliath. Uh, he was an accomplished musician. He had led the Israelites in countless victories in battle. And now he could complete this legacy by building a house for God. I mean, it would just be another uh, you know, notch in his book, and, and it would be great. But David knew that building the temple wasn't about David. It wasn't to bring glory to David. It was to bring glory to God. The God-sized dream wasn't for, for David's honor. It was for God's honor. And he knew it didn't matter who built it so long as God got the glory. So David did what God told him to do. He did the unconventional thing. He turned to his son Solomon in front of all the people of Israel, all the leaders of Israel. And he says this in verse 9. He says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart, And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave Solomon his son the plan of the vestibule of the temple and of its houses, its treasuries, its upper rooms, and its inner chambers, and of the room for the mercy seat. And we'll pause there for a moment. But if you keep reading, David goes out and he lays, he lays out all the plans. He says, all right, got to build it this wide and this long, and uh, you know, you got to use this material here. And he gives him the blueprints for this dream that God has given him. He, he gives him all the blueprints, how much gold, how much silver he's going to need to do it properly. But I want you to notice in this verse that, that King David, before he gives Solomon all the plans for the dream, he starts out by telling him four things. The four things are this. Know God, serve God, seek God, and just do it. All right, those are the four things. Know God, serve God, seek God, and just do it. So the first one, know God, right? He, he tells Solomon, don't know just the facts about God. Don't know him just up here, but know him in here. Know him in here, Get to know him every day. Don't let God be simply the God of the history books. But let him be the God of your present. And let him be the God of your future. Know his voice. Spend so much time with him that you know when it's God speaking and you know when it's your your selfishness speaking inside of you. So know God. The second thing he told him was serve God. Serve God with, with everything you have. Not because I told you to do it, but because you want to do it. Because God is a God who doesn't just judge our actions, but he sees the heart, right? So he tells Solomon, you gotta gotta serve with everything you got. Serve God because you wanna serve God. Serve God because you know that things are gonna go well for you. You're gonna be on the right path when you seek God. And David's probably saying, I'm speaking from experience here. I know that when I serve God, things went well. And when I strayed from God and served myself, things went bad. Third thing he said was seek God. He says, before you go to the elders... Before you go to your friends, before you go look in the history books to figure out what's the right choice, get on your knees and pray. Seek God. Seek his counsel. He's got the right answer. Again, he holds your future. Trust in God. Trust in God. And then the fourth thing he says is this, Solomon, be careful, but just do it, right? Long before Nike had just do it copyrighted, King David had just do it, copyrighted. He was saying, hey, come on, you got to step out of the box. You can't live in fear, and you just need to, you know, once you, if you've got all those other things, if you're seeking God, if you're serving God, if you know God, then step out in faith and just do it. Don't wait. Don't keep measuring. Just go. Trust that God has got your back. Trust that God has got this. So he, he tells them, No God, serve God, seek God, and just do it. Now, I love this advice that King David gives to Solomon. He doesn't just say, here's my crazy dream, good luck. He he doesn't say, here's the keys to the kingdom, don't mess it up, right? But he he gives him a foundation. He realizes that if he wants to see this God-sized dream accomplished, then Solomon's got to have that foundation right. So before he goes into all the building and all the planning, he's got to pass down the wisdom too. He's got to pass down, you need to serve God with everything you've got. Build that strong foundation. So church, if there's one thing I can uh, leave you with this morning that you can take home, it's this. Don't let your God-given dreams die with you. Pass them down to the next generation. Don't let your God-given dreams die with you. Pass them down to the next generation. See, when you look in the Bible, God's promises didn't stop when the person He promised died. They didn't stop when the person He promised died. Look at Abraham. God promised him that that through him, uh, the whole world was going to be blessed. He promised him that his descendants would be uh, greater than the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. Like, there's going to be so many of them, right? He promised him that. But that promise didn't stop with Abraham. That promise was passed down to Isaac. And from Isaac, that promise was passed down to Jacob. It went from generation to generation. When you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, God made many promises and prophecies through those prophets. Right, And some of those prophecies and promises were answered immediately. And some of them took place thousands of years later. From generation to generation, God has never faulted on one of his promises. Uh, You look at uh, Jesus. When he was here on earth, he promised his disciples the Holy Spirit. Right? And uh, he sends into heaven. Uh, a few days later, the disciples are, are still seeking that promise of the Holy Spirit, and, and they're filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? So God came through on that promise. But yet, 2,000 years later, we're still receiving that promise of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, those promises, those dreams, those God sized dreams can pass from generation to generation. So don't let God sized dreams that he's given you die with you. Pass them down to the next generation. So who is this this next generation? Who from the next generation do you need to pour into? Maybe it's a child or a grandchild. Uh, Maybe it's a neighbor kid or a younger coworker that you're training at work. Uh, Maybe it's a teenager who's sitting in the pew behind you or in front of you this morning. Maybe it's a kid that you're working with on Wednesday nights here at church. Who's that next generation that you need to pass that God-sized dream down to? So David, he, he starts giving Solomon the plans for how to build his life, you know, to set that foundation, to know God, serve God, seek God, and to do it. And uh, then he gives him the plan to build the temple. But he doesn't stop there. In verse 20 of chapter 28, it says this. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Again, he's telling him, don't be hesitant, just do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And behold, the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God and with you in all the work will be every, or every willing man who has skill for any kind of service. Also the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. So in passing down his dream to the next generation, David assured Solomon of two things. Number one, God is with you. And number two, this nation is with you. This nation is behind you. right? So he assured him those two things. Number one, God is with you. He, he didn't just say God is with you, but he said, my God is with you. He made it personal. right? My God is with you. The same God who has been with me all this way has, is going to be with you. And David's experienced a lot. If you read in First and Second Samuel, you'll see all the things David's been through. The highs and the lows. I mean, the extreme highs of, uh, you know, he defeated Goliath. I mean, that was big. He won wars. He he was anointed king. Like, all these big things, he realized, hey, God was there. But he also said, hey, in my lowest of lows, God was still there. When the king of Israel was chasing me and trying to kill me and I had to hide in a cave and I thought my life was going to be over with, God was still with me. When I was king and I thought I had it all together, but instead... King David committed adultery, and then to cover it up, he he, tried to mur- he murdered someone. He said, even in that time, God was with me. In my lowest lows, my highest highs, God was with me. God was with me. Church, when you're passing down your dreams to your next generation, be real with them. Share your story. Share your story, because the next generation needs to see God's faithfulness in your life. The next generation needs to see God's faithfulness in, you, in your life. Let them hear the stories uh, of how God came through for you. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times as well. Because it's when we trust in God during those hard times, when we grow the most. So don't be afraid to share your story with the next generation. So not only is God with you, but David also told Solomon that these leaders are behind you. This nation is with you. Solomon knew that, uh, or David knew that Solomon wouldn't be able to do it if he had to do it all on his own. If he tried to say, all right, I'm going to build this temple on my own and uh, I've got this thing, right? He, he knew he needed the nation's support. He knew he needed uh, craftsmen and, and wise people behind him to help him to accomplish this God-given dream and this God-sized dream and make it a reality. And if we want the next generation to succeed, then we need to work on building them up rather than tearing them down. We need to be this next generation's biggest fans and be there to support them and to guide them. Now, you may be saying to yourself this morning, you know, pastor, do you, have you met the next generation, right? Uh, there's something off about them. It's like they speak a different language. They're constantly glued to their cell phones. It's like they spend more time in the digital world than in the real world. Maybe they have a hard time having a conversation with you, right? Uh, maybe you can barely get them to pick up their room, let alone accomplish a God-sized dream. Well, David was in the same boat about the next generation. In uh, chapter 29, verse 1, it says this, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon's right next to him, he says, Solomon my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. Thanks, Dad, right? And the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze. Bronze. So here you have David, he's got his son right next to him, and he tells the whole nation his vote of confidence of, my son is young and inexperienced, everyone, and I'm giving him my kingdom, right? He knew the next generation had flaws, He, he knew the next generation didn't have it all figured out. But what generation has figured it out when they were teenagers? Right? We, we've got a lot of growing and learning to do. This generation is young and inexperienced. But they just needed someone to believe in them. And that's what David did. He believed in the next generation. He invested in the next generation. He, he, of his own treasuries, it says he gave Solomon gold and silver and bronze to be able to build the temple. Can you imagine what just like a vote of confidence that probably felt like for David to realize, hey, dad's investing in me. right? But it didn't stop there because it said that after that David turned to the rest of the the, the assembly there that morning, and he's like, all right, we're going to take an offering, everybody. All right, I want you to give gifts to this temple as well. I want you to give gifts uh, for this God-sized dream that I'm passing down to my son. And so they took an offering, and it says people gave gladly. And they actually ended up giving double what King David had already give, given. So just imagine the confidence now in this young teenager. Of He's, he's getting this God-sized dream. He, he's probably you know, swimming like, man, how am I going to do this? But now he looks out and he sees a nation behind him. He sees a nation who's willing to sacrifice because they believe in him. Just imagine what that did for Solomon. Church, what can we do to invest in the next generation? What can we do to invest in the next generation to fuel those God given dreams into realities? What can we do? I want you to check out this video.
1: It began with a dream for reaching people in Austria, Europe. I knew that what God wanted me to do was to get as many people out on the field. Ever since I was in sixth grade, my dream was to be a teacher. But along the way, in college, God called me to missions. God called me as a teenager to say yes to being a minister of the gospel. God then gave us a passion and dream for all of Europe. A dream to see workers building the church in all 44 countries.
0: Because of Speed the Light, I traveled to rodeos, holding trick riding schools at my ranch and across the country, ministered to widows, not only in rodeo, but wherever God opens that door.
1: In all these years, I have learned that God only gives more when I have less of me and more of Him. Is this your prayer? It's not all about the money. It's about the heart of a child.
0: And we had this dream rising up within us to create a heart of compassion in every child in the assemblies of God.
1: Because I didn't grow up in the church, but I have the heart of God that people will be brought into his kingdom. That's my unconventional dream. I believe that if we come together in this unconventional season and have a passion to reach the lost at all costs, we will see his gospel propelled in ways that
0: we never have before. God is doing a phenomenal work in the lives of students all throughout the nation, and I want to ask you... Would you begin to pray of how he could use you in unconventional ways to dream unconventional dreams to reach
1: those who have never heard or have denied the gospel of Jesus? Thank you so much as we begin the process of dreaming unconventional dreams for Speed the Light. God bless you guys.
0: I believe that God is going to use the next generation in, in unconventional ways to reach the lost. Uh, it, it was amazing just a week and a half ago. Uh, we just finished our service, and we had an awesome time and on, on that Wednesday night. And, and so we've got rock music blasting in the youth room, and kids are having a great time. And one of the students came up to me, and he's just like, you know what? I've been here long enough, and I'm ready to make that decision to follow Jesus. And, uh, and I'm just like, man, rock music can be playing and people can still be led to Jesus. You know, usually these things happen at an altar call. It was unconventional. But it was amazing just to see the earnestness and the honestness of, God, I need more of you. God, I'm ready to commit my life. This next generation uh, is going to reach people in unconventional ways. But I think that's kind of how Jesus already set the example for us. He did things unconventionally. He looked at Peter, the guy who denied him, uh, the guy who, you know, usually took action or said things before he thought about what he was going to say, right? So so Peter, he had some issues, but yet he looked at Peter and he says, on you, I'm going to build my church. You're going you're to take this message to the ends of the, the world. He, he looked at all of his disciples and he said, that's your goal, 12 guys. Can you do it? Reach it to the ends of the earth. Tell everyone about the fame of Jesus and that God-given dream has been passed down from generation to generation, and now it's our turn to reach the nations, to go to the ends of the world. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond in two different ways. The first one is this. Uh, as you walked in this morning, you saw those offering envelopes, uh, the, the unconventional speed of light ones, and I. Uh, I asked this morning that you would partner with the next generation uh, in giving to Speed the Light this morning. We told you about the different uh, opportunities that we have with the refugee school and uh, also with drilling freshwater wells in East Africa. Again, just to, to tell more people about Jesus. So this morning you can give online. All the directions are on the screen there uh, as well. Uh, if you're online, you can go to give, and uh, you can follow those prompts to give to Speed the Light. So thank you for doing that but the second way that I I want you to respond this morning, again, it might be a little unconventional. I'm going to ask, we're going to play one more song, and I'm just going to ask that you just stay seated during this song. And uh, if you could grab, there's several cards that are sitting in front of you. Probably the prayer card is going to work best, but you can grab any card. It doesn't matter. And uh, pull that out. And during the song, I just want you to write down a dream that God's put on your heart. I want you to write down a dream that God's put on your heart. Maybe it was when you were a kid, or maybe it was just a few weeks ago. If God hasn't put a dream on your heart, then I want you to just spend a little time praying. God, what, what do you want me to accomplish in my life? And what dream do you have for me? And I want you to write that down. Maybe uh, another thing you can write down too is if God's put somebody in the next generation on your heart to pass that dream down to, I want you to write their name on it. And then to close the service, uh, you can put your offering uh, in the plates when we close here. But also, if you want to share that dream with the next generation and it's something God's put on your heart, would you just put that card in the offering plate as well? And uh, in this this month, I want to take those dreams that God's given you and I want to share them with our One Cause youth because I believe God wants to take those dreams and, and see what this generation is doing and pass that down to the next generation. All right, so two things. Uh, offering this morning for Speed the Light. Anything that's, that's not marked, we'll, we'll go to Speed the Light this morning. And then also during this song, just write down that dream God's given you. Write down that person that you believe that God's supposed to pass it to you. Again, you can take that home just for your sake, uh, or you can leave that in the offering plate as you go this morning. And uh, so we can pass that down to the next generation. We'll share that with you. Uh, but so take those cards out. Take that offering envelope. And as we sing this song, just believe God for greater things this morning.